welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Jerry Springer. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey. You know, I, this is embarrassing, but I'm noticing I'm wearing the same shirt I wore last week. We don't get that joke, but okay. <laughs> no, I could, you know, for the six people that are watching on Facebook. Well, no, how no, many Jerry. people watch on Facebook? Jerry. Jerry. Fourth, fourth wall. <laughs> we we got to talk. <laughs> hey, uh, Hey, let me ask you something. Uh, oh, and by the way, we're going to have a group called Wolf and Branch on later. They were on with us last week. Love them. They're a new bluegrass group out of Kentucky, uh, five members. We have four members with us, Roddy Puckett, Aaron Bebelhauser, Chris Schaus, and Arthur Hancock. And uh, we're going to bring them back on here in a minute and hear their music, do a song for us. Uh, Megan will introduce them in that in a minute. And we're also going to hear Jerry with his thought of the week. Uh, they're really the hardest. <laughs> Jerry's analysis of something that's in the news this week. So we'll swing back to that in a minute. But I, uh, Megan, I wanted to ask you something. We're all on, and Jerry's kind of referenced it, but we're, we're still doing these on Zoom, our podcast. I have been for the last year in the opening when we say live at Folk School Coffee Parlor. We hope to get back there pretty soon. But we've been doing these, like a lot of performers' shows, uh, doing them uh, using Oh, Zoom. he could have been on the show. And um, we can see each other, and we do have a Facebook Live audience that's able so to see us. Uh, most people hear this in a, an archive audio-only version. But, Megan, you can see Jerry and take a look at him. I think, because I noticed when he came on tonight, he looks, in my opinion, stronger, healthier, uh, more vibrant. And I asked him, you know, what the hell's going on? And he said, well, I got my first coronavirus shot yeah. the other day. Yeah. And and I, but I got to have to ask you something, Jerry, because, you know, uh, the streets do a lot of talking in this business. And I've heard, <laughs> I've heard. From some sources, Megan, plural, because you got to get two and better yet three sources to know it's true. Yeah. I got four, Megan, four sources that told me that Jerry had to be restrained and blindfolded because he has a fear of oh, shots. Is that true? Did they put, totally I, I don't know if you're going to believe that they put a needle, a needle into my arm. Jerry Springer's arm. Can you imagine that skinny? Oh, hey, let me ask you something. Arm. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Well, let me tell you. No. If I had more fat on it, it wouldn't have hurt so much. <laughs> but when that needle. Hey, Jerry. Ser serious question. Can you uh, imagine? It, like I got a shot. I, I've actually had two of them, and, and my drill was it was a place. It was actually a, a parking garage. A down it wasn't a shop, Gene. Garage. I got to tell you. He opened the trunk of his car. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Wait, no, wait no, a no, second. That was legit, man. Yeah. That was legit. So I, so I want to compare this to yours, Jerry. So I, I go, and it was at a, a university hospital. 
totally legit. Got my appointment, drove over there, drove in, did on my phone, all the pre-registration. I pull up to uh, an attendant who's got a computer. What's your name? I show my ID. I roll up to the next spot. I got the window down on the car and I got my shot right there in my car and I drive off and nobody gave a rat's ass. I was just another person getting a shot. Megan, Jerry Springer shows up to get a shot. That's not the same. Oh man! Yeah, it's I'm not, not jab. So tell us, he's what, not in a parking what, garage. What, you see? Yeah. <laughs> no, I bet it wasn't. <laughs> well, first, you know, you think it's easy, but they had to find a place where they could park the limo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they escorted. They oh, escorted me out, and uh, uh, into the and there was a private elevator. Then the and, green uh, room. Uh, I was taking. Yeah. <laughs> I was taken upstairs, and um, they offered me a meal. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they spit on and Gene when they rolled up when he rolled up his window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> and then uh, a whole bunch of nurses came in and wanted to take a picture of me getting the of me getting the shot. Now is that true? I got that. Well, a bunch of people came in and said, but. We're they weren't well they did take well actually when i left though they, they did take yeah. a picture it would be super so, so it's interesting so we'll now, by it. the way and you don't have to get you don't have to get any more detail yeah. than you want to or you think they would yeah want. i don't G-D think they would they were but I was it they were very professional the, uh, three out of four of them had a degree or something even if it's just a phone that true a phone was it in a hospital or was it in a doctor's office to tell us Nobody knows where it was. It was <laughs> no, it was, it, it, it was a hospital. And I got to tell you, with all the joking, it was we'll so it, yeah. orderly we'll yeah. and so I think Megan comfortable. Get, Megan I mean, get it to honestly, us. I was treated like everybody else. You go and you come in and right away, you know, obviously everyone's wearing masks and everything and, um, you know, cleaning your hands and everything. And then the person's there with the computer. Send it on. You have an exact time you're to be there for 15 minutes and so, they sign you Jerry, in they bring you into a Jerry, what year into a room where you wait you alone and then they take you out oh, and wow. take you to a room where you're actually going to get it's, your shot so you're never mixing with other people it's, it's time and for then a, they a give you your they just you know raise your arm and boom you don't even know you got a shot and then but you were part of a whole screen, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. assembly line. You weren't treated specially. Absolutely. You were part of a Joking whole group. aside, not at we all. We got a call out of the key. blue yeah. because my doctor is associated key. with the hospital that, that yeah. by luck, got the, uh, you know, and everyone else <laughs> in that community got it too. I mean, with that group. They started at 80-year-olds. <laughs> and they had completed in that community yeah. the 80-year-olds. Yeah. And so now they were starting Good with banjo, 75 banjo and over. And so they called us and said, you know? you, can yeah. you make an appointment? Would you like to make an appointment? <laughs> of course, yes. And my wife, too, because, you know, Mickey turned 75. Yeah. So uh, both of us, I said, can she come with me? And they said, yes, if she's 75, she can come in at the same time. Thank so we both us. went in. Thanks. It was great to visit with you. Once you get the shot. They then take you to a mm-hmm. waiting area where you have to wait 15 minutes to make sure you're not having any reaction. Mm-hmm. And, and then you leave. What shot, what shot did you get? Did you get Moderna, uh, Moderna or Moderna. Moderna. 
Because I heard you got one called the Smith and Jones one, and that threw me a little bit too. Because I don't know of the Smith and Jones vaccine. Well, now that you mention it, oh my God, where is this going? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I hey, don't know. hey, I'm we're we're very glad. Aren't they that supposed to got... give the shot in your arm? <laughs> yeah, they give it in your butt. I bet. I yeah. just found, <laughs> yeah. I just found some of the things they I'm were asking sorry, me to do. Just that. I found that I found that inappropriate. Anyway, just, so Gene. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, we had uh, and have them again tonight. Uh, this new bluegrass band yeah. and branch, and they were talking in the last show, and they, they're actually uh, back on with us. And we were talking last that their style of music is bluegrass, and they are uh, five, four guys and a woman from around Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Central Kentucky, and. Uh, Bluegrass music and Megan, I don't know if because could can I, Jerry and I are like 77, 76 in his case, 77. No, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, no, I'm I'm 77. Oh, you I'm, just turned that's right, just turned 77. Yeah. So we're we're yeah, from I guess the, you lost my address. The <laughs> present, uh, yeah. Well, they said the mail is slow. The mail, is, the mail slow. is slow. So the present may I, still be coming. I don't think your Hanukkah gift got there yet, but it's coming. Because <laughs> no, that didn't get it's there. very slow now. No. Uh, Megan, yeah. you're from a totally different generation than we are. And I know Jerry and I, who had roots in or early rock and roll and, and folk music, and the cousin of folk music was bluegrass, to be honest. And when I was in college, and Pete Seeger and the Weavers, and Pete Seeger's playing a uh, claw hammer banjo and so he sure as heck was influenced by bluegrass music back in the 1950s and 60s and beyond uh and megan i don't know if you had any in i know you're musical and theatrical did you have any knowledge or interest in bluegrass because you're a kentucky girl did, did that mean anything to you, I mean, it you was coming through college it was just kind not? of around it wasn't anything that was popular okay. like we were listening you know, like Dave Matthews and Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> like that's what, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we listen to. But um, yeah, but you know, hey, Megan, but it was around. Like this. my friends uh, that played music always played bluegrass. Yeah. Well, interesting. You know, there's a group that I, I really like. It's an, actually an English group, if my memory's right, Mumford and Sons. Yeah. And and there and they have bluegrass and folky influences in and their probably even a little younger than you are, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. They're certainly not my age, you know, they're young people who were influencing. So I wanted to ask uh, Rodney and Aaron and Chris and Arthur, as uh, bluegrass aficionados, we've always heard that bluegrass has its roots in a Celtic, the Celtic region of Scotland, Ireland, England. Yeah. And then it came over here, found its way over here through people who migrated to the U.S. and ended up in places like West Virginia, heavily Kentucky, and other areas. And then, by the way, this is how it got to me as I was a college student at Xavier University, not far from the University of Cincinnati. But those folks were moving from the hollers of Appalachia up to industrial cities in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, they were moving north for jobs, to get jobs. And, and they brought with them their music. And that's where I heard it in some, you know, great bar in urban Cincinnati 
That was a bluegrass bar. And the men and women who were in that bar were people who had moved probably last week or a year or two ago from the hollers of Appalachia. And that music then influenced American, African-American blues, jazz. So you guys, uh, Rodney, uh, Aaron, Arthur, Chris, how did you guys find your way into bluegrass? And did your, did your family members, do you have any family members who grew up and do you guys live, have any association to all of that history? Yes, I, I do for sure. I have a lot of uncles that moved to that Michigan region uh, that played music from Kentucky to work in, in factories and, you know, in the industrial north. Uh, for sure, and that was a, that was a huge Im- influence for, for me, uh, getting into that that music, uh, just from from my family, because you sit around and you play music with your with people that you know, with your family, with your friends, and and Eastern Kentucky bluegrass was a huge part of that. You know, in the same way that that bluegrass was was kind of informed. You talked about the earlier influences on bluegrass, like the Scotch Irish fiddle tunes, and and and. The, the fact that the banjo kind of originated in, in Africa and ended up becoming like the, the heavy influence of minstrel shows and, and, and old slave spirituals and, and blues music all that worked its way into bluegrass that spread kind of kept going. It just thought we, we happened to happen to be in, in the epicenter of where it all came together originally yeah. here in Kentucky and then spread out from here as its own new thing, which is really cool. But, but we should, we should also note that, uh, that that all kind of hit it formally came together around 1945 or so when Bill Monroe and his bluegrass boys were in, he had a band with flat and Scruggs, Lester flat and Earl Scruggs were all in the band at the same time. And that's when it kind of formally became bluegrass music, so to speak. But yeah, it's really cool to think about the spread from then on how people took that culture with them uh, to these, you know, rust belt, factory jobs uh, leaving because the coal mining slowed down and they took the, took their culture with them. Pretty cool. Hey, Jerry Springer, this is, uh, you know, people may remember this or not, but you grew up in New York city and grew up in Queens, which is what one subway stop or two from Manhattan. And you, when you were in high school and college, is it not true that bluegrass it found its way also to these Greenwich Village clubs in New York City in the 1960s. And, you know, Bob Dylan showed up there. Joan Baez, they were folky kind of people. Pete Seeger was there. He was really a, a folky guy, too. But some of the music being played in those clubs in Greenwich Village was yeah. also bluegrass, wasn't it? And it was also, yes, and it was also the influence of radio. Radio was becoming huge among, among young people. And the early days of rock and roll, much of it was country. Elvis Presley, Conway Twitty, Jerry Lee Lewis. In other words, there was a, it was a combination of Southern country music, gospel music, jazz. That, that's what made rock and roll. So when we, when I think of the when we think of the musical stars, particularly starting in the 50s, I mean, the big singers were really, a lot of them country, except for Sinatra and Bing Crosby. You know, Patti Page was the top female recording artist. And she did the Tennessee Waltz. And, uh, you know, so 
that's how it became really popular in, in, in New York and in a lot of urban communities, because everyone listened to the radio and the radio stations were all playing the same songs. We don't have the, you know, we don't have the split by one radio station plays only this kind of music and another plays only this. Back then, whatever radio station you turned on, few exceptions, but generally they all played the top 40. Do you, do you, Jerry, sorry. Do do you, uh, do you listen to a lot of bluegrass or do you ever listen to, what do you listen to? Country. Okay. Right on. And, 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 and I've heard, in fact, Gene will remember that the very first, okay. I recorded like 10 songs in my life and it was always a, um, a novelty song. Someone thought this would be cute, but back in 1969, uh, when Gene and I first met in, began this 45-year friendship. Um, there was a group called the Johnson Fork Boys. And we sang Blood... We made a bluegrass song out of this song called Bloodshot Eyes. Don't you roll those bloodshot eyes at me. I can tell you've been out on a spree. I know <laughs> that you're lying when you say you've been crying. Don't you roll those bloodshot eyes at me. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, well, it actually, we made up the tune. We made, we made up the tune and we made it into a bluegrass song because the band that was up, they Gene. were a bluegrass band. So the interest. Okay, he's got the and you have it. Are you serious? Just, I just happen to have that for our Facebook Live audience. I'm, uh, Can you burn me a copy of that 45? Well, Can you play it? Hey, we own it. You can play it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you don't have a record player. Anyway. Ask Bonnie if she, if she has a needle. Yeah, I have a record Jerry, player. Jerry, Jerry we, ought to cut, we ought to cut a new version of that, and we could be the backing band if you need us, you know. We Absolutely. <laughs> oh, guys, it's a deal. We'll, we'll do it, man. Let's work it out. <laughs> we'll, well, Jerry, <laughs> hey, Jerry, the uh, – I remember that era as you do, that, that era of the 1960s, and, and you were recording a few songs, including one to help save a historic building in Cincinnati. And the style of music that you were doing, which I, we grew up in two different parts of America. I was in the Midwest. You were, were happened to be the same age, same high school graduation year and all that. Yeah. But we both had that kind of music coursing through our veins. So that was the 1960s. By the way, Wolf Penn Branch, how is it in 2021 where you guys form this new band and you choose that style of music? What's it like in 2021? Because you're obviously passionate about the music and you're just explaining you have some of this in your blood. You'd really have it in your blood. You grew up in that area. Jerry, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Jerry and Queens, New York. How is it hard to build an audience? Yeah, I think. What, how do people you're playing to feel about that a, style? There's a vibrant scene of of fans of of roots music around around these parts. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's huge. I mean, Good. folks like uh, Tyler Childers and Chris Stapleton and Sturgill Simpson all came right out of this region. So there, there's a huge scene of people yeah. who love them and that. And, and they, yeah, too, and they, and they were know. they all came uh, yeah. out of bluegrass as well. Mm-hmm. So we're we're just kind of we're we're just all steeped in that same in that same fluid 
as everybody around here. So that's great. I mean, we're just we're grateful that there's people that want to support us, especially during a pandemic when we got to improvise and play live stream shows and stuff like that. But very mm-hmm. grateful sure. for that. And Ty, Tyler Childers is uh, he's re- he's getting oh, yeah. big, getting big right. fast. So if there's any rub off of Tyler Childers on you guys, if you you can get any association. With that Tyler style, I, I, there I think go. Arthur used to be roommates with Tyler back in the day. Back yeah. in the old days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really no. Cool. There's a great scene of young people who are mm-hmm. embracing kind of their. There's a Kentucky proud. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's part of our agriculture and our history. And yeah, it's it goes far beyond Kentucky and the and especially out west. There's a great music scene for acoustic and bluegrass music. So, you know. It, isn't that yeah. wonderful? You thank thank well, God for the hippies for bringing us what right, we really right. needed, which was an audience. So. Yeah, you know we we uh, also should say that like we're we're fortunate, and I guess the way this band came together, the fact that we're all spread out, we kind of bring our own individual audiences as as from our previous careers yeah. as musicians. So I'm from yeah, Louisville. Arthur's originally from Paris, Kentucky, and lives in Frankfurt now. And Roddy's in Winchester and grew up in Shelbyville. Chris is in Irvine and I think grew up in London, right, Chris? Owsley County. Owsley County. And, and Kate, yeah, and Katie's from Lexington. Katie's from Lexington. So we kind of spread out and combine all those parts. And, and, and you know, in a non-pandemic year, folks will be able to drive 40 minutes or so and come see us play wherever we play, which is fun. Yeah. Grateful for that. Hey, here's something I wonder. And we joked about it on an episode or two back. Uh, there's been this, and, and we're not going to go into all this again, but a huge explosion about sea shanties, which is folk music, reared in folk music, work songs. And also, you know, sea shanties were what whalers and seamen did to kind of have rhythms to get the work done on the boat. And then there are prison songs, Ain't No More Cane on the Brazos, which is a work song for men who were jailed down in Texas at a prison farm. So here's a, the question. There seems to be, and I'm hoping this is the case, rhythms, human rhythms that outlive generations. They just keep coming back. So she's sea shanties driven by a TikTok thing. And a dude in England, Wales, I think, quit his job as a mailman and got a record deal because he did a TikTok <laughs> thing of sea shanties. So, so he reached way back to that style of music, and it's 2021. You guys are saying is, here we are in 2021, and there's still these ancient rhythms in Kentucky and other places, West Virginia, Tennessee, other places, sure. that they're still going. In that, and here's the real point. These young people today, they may not even know why the hell they like those sounds, but they yeah. do. They'll figure it yeah. out, hopefully, and it's 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 here to stay. It always is. It's just like you know anything that has value yeah. and heart, uh, it's going to thrive. You know, you know, absolutely. And it just sounds good. I mean, the, the harmonies you, Bill Monroe, your men, Flat and Scruggs, and all that stuff. Man, when you listen to really good bluegrass, it is the harmonies are amazing and the instrumentation. But but again, it, these are kind of primitive rhythms and. Uh, you know, uh, Paul Simon, you know, uh, Graceland album. Holy crap, man. That's all about ancient rhythms. Yeah. Yeah, Lady, yeah, Lady Smith, Lady Smith, Black Mombazo is part of that album. 
He got yeah. them out of South Africa. So and good. It's all That's about rhythms yeah. that are ancient and and uh, they're in human beings. You can't get rid of them. They just every Absolutely. now and then kind of come. Am I right? Just yeah, comes yeah, up. yeah. You know, and you mentioned that Paul Simon one, you know, that it's stuff that creeps into you that you don't even know that you, you get tricked into hearing and then go, oh my God, that's moving everything, you know? Same. Yeah. That's what it is. That's stomping on the barn floor yeah, and yeah. here and everything Same. else. But with acoustic yeah. instruments, it's all very authentic. I mean, we could perform acoustically and it's, and there's intimate. no, there's, it's intimate and it's authentic. Right. And that seems to touch people, whether it's just a guy with acoustic guitar or with a banjo or whatever. I mean, I think that's why, Jerry, in New York City and clubs in Greenwich Village in the 1960s, it's probably still true today, the men and women could come out of Appalachia, the hollers, and go into a club in, the, in Greenwich Village and people would show up and listen to it. Because, again, oh, sure. these, are, these, are, uh, these are rhythms that are in us whether we know it or not. And we just, well, that's it. That's the wild thing. You know, it's yeah. a universal language. It's Bob Dylan's going to be 80 years old here in a couple months. I think. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Good, good conversation guys. Glad to have you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Back. Megan, you want to take us into Absolutely. there? Yeah. Absolutely. So to now we're going to hear Mary. By Wolfpen Branch.
good song, guys. Good example of what we were just talking about. Yeah, that was great. Yep. Fantastic. All right. And a special treat. We're going to have Mr. Casey Campbell singing with one Mr. Jerry Wait. Springer taking us out on. Jerry has, hasn't done. Did we uh, not do? Oh, my I, God. I thought so. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> David, you'll have to do I that. thought so, Gene. Hey, oh, everybody, oh, look at my your bad. paychecks coming this week. It <laughs> <laughs> may be a little different. I was like, did I miss it? Look on yeah, yeah, sorry. We'll do a little, we'll do a little uh, post-production <laughs> editing. All right, we're going to do... Hey, Megan. Uh, Facebook audience. Hey, Jerry, would you like to do your thought of the week? No, hold on. Megan, you... <laughs> David will... Paper. Hey, I'm uh, going Megan. like this. Hey, God. <laughs> hey, Jerry, I'm a huge fan of you. Uh, back in the 90s, when I was early 90s, I was going to UK and my ex-wife. <laughs> this isn't, this is going to be edited, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cut him no, out. Cut him out no, right no, now. You know? <laughs> well, you, Tuesdays hey, and Thursdays, <laughs> we could get together at 9.30 in the morning and we'd had hang out. And then at 10 o'clock, Jerry Springer came on. <laughs> hey, man. And I appreciate it. Man, really big fan. <laughs> I, I, if I knew you were in bed at ten o'clock in the morning, oh, yeah. <laughs> I would have had you on the show. <laughs> you <could've> been, uh... <laughs> All right, let's let's get this back on track, David. <laughs> David Bruce, my apologies, my apologies to everybody. I got in the flow of this. Uh, David, if you can post at it and reorder this, oh, Megan, you will show. not have to do that. And end intro because we already got it. He'll just have to do and some I editing, and I apologize. Okay. No worries. Uh, so now, you Jerry, want me to introduce them again. No, you won't have to, because he'll. Okay, so we're just going to do Jerry. We're going to intro Jerry. He'll do his bit, and then after that, we'll land, and then Dave will have to do some post production work. And uh, again, I apologize. Peace uh, peace. Here we go. Hey, Jerry, uh, weekly you've been doing your thought of the week and analysis of something that caught your interest during that week that's in the news. And uh, we always look forward to those. What did you see this week? Well, uh, unsurprisingly, Fox News is complaining about the way the New York Times reported on the death of Rush Limbaugh. Now, let me start off by stating the obvious, that the death of anyone is to be treated with some decency and sensitivity because the loss of human life is sad, painful, and traumatic for any family facing it, and we all will eventually experience it. So condolences is not just something you say like, have a nice day, but something at a very human level we mean. But having said that, I wonder what is wrong with the way the New York Times headlined his death. Recognizing his iconic status in the world of radio, and his undeniable skill in handling three hours of talk every day, how could the paper not mention that he also was a media figure, and I quote, who built talk radio into a right-wing attack machine while all the while trafficking in outrageous conspiracy theories? Unquote. That was the headline in the Times. He preceded Fox News, begat the likes of Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson, and countless local Limbaugh wannabes around the country, relentlessly attacking liberals, gays, feminazis, minorities, with a biting rant that entertained a right-wing base, but equally gave pain and insult, often to the most vulnerable among us. 
Now, you may not like the fact that the media makes reference to that, but why else was he known? Indeed, for what other reason did he become a multimillionaire and such an iconic figure? Why else would Fox News devote a whole day commenting on his death and Trump use it once again as an excuse to talk about himself and how he really won the election? Yes, we can recognize Russia's abundant talent and outsized success, but still recognize the uncomfortable truth that what he brought to our social discourse and America's political terrain is a lot of pain and suffering and a bullhorn for bigotry, racial and otherwise, that eventually turned the Republican Party into a cult and Donald Trump into a president. Now, this is not to say that Rush invented bigotry. The Nazis, the Klan, and Jim Crow were around long before Rush Limbaugh was even born. But he gave a voice and a platform, as Roger Ailes and Fox did on television, and Rupert Murdoch did with newspapers, to the meanest expressions of a white man's resentments. Please understand, I have no interest in piling on the memory of this amazingly talented man. I could never communicate with his level of skill. But don't you wonder in this age of unchecked polarization, how different and caring and compassionate our politics might be today if all that talent might have been channeled into a message to his ditto heads, as they call themselves, a message of take care of yourself and each other. There is sadness in death. There is also sadness in how misplaced his talent was. Excellent, Jerry. And I think you're being very modest, Jerry. I think you can hold your own just about yep. anyone out there. Very, very sweet. Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to have a special treat tonight, Casey Campbell and Jerry Springer singing... Down by the riverside. <laughs> That's a way to lose listeners. <laughs> Not my show. Talk to your executive senior producer. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm going to lay down my sword and shield.